And Come one minute from being online. Into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You yeah, will witness will. strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the You say welcome to another episode. What? Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ghost Chronicles International, right here on Tojanet Perex Ghost Channel and Beyond. With me, my co-host, all the way from across the pond, and annoying as ever, Mr. Parascience himself, Steve Parsons. Good afternoon, Ron. How are you? What was that? I don't know. It just keeps beeping at me, but there's no reason for it to beep at me. It's all working perfectly well. Mm, whatever. Anyway, that be your uh, end again. Said it'll be at your end again, and but and's online. No. You're breaking up on me. Anyways, um, we got a great show tonight. We have somebody who is devoting many years of their life to EVPs, and uh, she is actually a colleague of yours as well, isn't she, Stephen? She is, and of course, with EVP being so current and topical within paranormal communities and paranormal research, I thought it appropriate that we call upon the only person I know who's studying EVP as a PhD research project, and in good parascience tradition, we'll get to find out the truth by, by proper research. Good evening, Anne. How are you? Good evening, Steve. I hope you can hear me. <laughs> Perfectly well. Marvellous. And, and all of those voices of the dead people in the background, too. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to keep them on hold for the moment, at least. <laughs> oh. I'm just, we seem to have a weird pause on Skype at the moment, so I'm just trying to figure out ah, whether... Can you, can you hear me now? I can better? hear you perfectly. It seems to be oh. Ron that's having the... Or has he just gone quiet to play a, to play a mean trick? Oh, so anyway, well, we'll ignore him. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> just ignore Ron. Um, so, Anne, uh, <laughs> as I, as yeah, I Ron, introduced Ron seems you, to have disappeared somewhere. That's probably a good thing. Um, <laughs> as I introduced you, as the only person that I know that's decided to take on the challenge of EVP as a PhD research project, first of all, uh, why? Why not? Oh, God. Oh, Ron suddenly popped oh, in for a second. Oh, <laughs> was that a telephone call from the dead? <laughs> no, wrong person. <laughs> Carry on. Good. Carry on. Oh. Why did you choose oh, to, to uh, pick EVP as whatever, your PhD? Well, I chose it mainly because um, 
the skeptics didn't really seem to care beyond saying it's a load of rubbish we're going to ignore it and you're all mad which annoyed me intensely because how can you possibly say that without investigating it properly um they just seem to dismiss it and sweep it under the carpet without actually doing any proper investigation into it whatsoever. So I felt the time was right to actually do some investigation into it. Now, it's actually quite difficult to do proper academic investigation into this kind of thing, because obviously the whole bias is towards proving that the whole thing is a load of rubbish, <laughs> if I'm being quite... <laughs> quite blunt about it so it's quite difficult and obviously um, I can't just look at EVP in the way that someone like Annabella Cardoso does because she is specifically looking at EVP as is this a real phenomenon and are we actually looking at possibly talking to dead people so to speak I can't actually look at it in that way as part of my PhD it's something we can look at as parascience where it's not something I can look at as part of my PhD I need to focus more on the people however I can still I think look at um, things like the actual voices and the white noise that people are using and I'm also going to target slightly um, the paranormal investigators and these ghost boxes that they're using these um, these radio sweep things that they're using because they annoy me quite a bit as well I'm afraid because they're, Actually, uh, they they're annoy, actually, annoying most people and believe it or not yeah the the even genuine the, even the ones who you, even the ones who use it, they're annoyed by him. Well, the there seems to be camps splitting off here. The people who do genuine EVP research and have been doing it for years and are trying to do it in a proper fashion, they dismiss this kind of um, ghost sweep stuff as well. And the problem is, it's completely unfalsifiable because if somebody says to you, the spirits are causing the radio to stop for seconds on these stations which are causing messages to form there's absolutely no way that you can disprove that so it's all very dodgy actually do you know something that that very question um, brings up something that does essentially suggest that uh, it's nonsense because we are expected to believe that by some ghost box users that spirits a, an individual spirit can selectively listen to every single radio frequency broadcast within the range of the radio so probably 10,000 plus radio stations in real time and then pre-select one particular word phrase or phoneme part of a word in order to convey a message now that in itself is beyond the realms of, I think, credibility. Uh, that that right could there. even be feasible. Stop right there. If you're Parsons, going to suggest that right means there. it's paranormal, behave. Stop right there, Parsons. Go on. As you know, as you know, many people who believe in the spirit world, or even people who believe in uh, the time continuum, and we know that time doesn't exist, therefore uh, it would be totally 
uh, believable. Uh, for instance, the, uh, the I always remember this line from uh, the Bell Witch. The Bell Witch was a an extremely well documented haunting in Tennessee, uh, including involving the uh, our president Andrew Jackson, and uh, the spirit. Uh, was there, and he was talking to an Englishman of all sorts, and he asked, uh, he or she, we don't know what the spirit was actually, uh, asked the Englishman, would you like to know what your family was doing in in England? And uh, he said yes. And within seconds, he came back and started speaking in the language of all his family and telling them exactly what to do. And they said, how could you do that? And they said, what is impossible for the physical world is... uh, nothing for the physical world, I mean the spirit world, otherwise it could really happen. So unless we really understand the spirit world, then we can't really deny it. I mean, we can only deny it from our own point of view, let's put it that way, as as, uh, physical rules apply. But you also can't say they can do absolutely anything under the sun (laughs) that I can come up with because we don't understand it. That's that's not acceptable. And that's the thing that Tony thinks about the the, the spiritual. No, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Notwithstanding the fact that the, the Bell Witch case itself is possibly a journalistic hoax, the fact is in that one instance... In that Have one, and it's still. I'll tell you what. I'll will t- tell you what we will do. We'll get Mr. Wayland on, who has, and who has come to the conclusion it may actually be a journalistic hoax. But nonetheless, the the spirit there was dealing with one single location, one single family. What we're being asked to conceive of with the ghost box is that a single entity can monitor in real time tens of thousands of individual radio broadcasts and pre-select one one word, phrase, or part word. It's incredible. Actually, we don't even have to go that far, if we're being honest, because (laughs) I've listened to quite a lot of the clips now, and if you actually listen to them and analyse them, they don't even say anything vaguely like what they're purporting to say so not only are the ghosts not manipulating phonemes to make words they're manipulating random sounds to make nothing whatsoever that people are making up into what they want it to say (laughs) now this is completely separate to original evp research which i actually think is very interesting and there are some very interesting results coming out of it but that Yay. is totally separate to the ghost box research. <laughs> Have I killed Ron? He's gone very quiet. I think the moral no, of this story no, is don't no, use just, ghost just, box. Just, just do your EVP research. There is, as Anne says, there is an awful lot of good evidence for EVP research to be conducted. And indeed, there are many, many researchers from the scientific community who suggest that it is worth pursuing and is a valid area of research because we don't have answers for many of the questions that are posed. What Anne and I are both saying loud and clear is throw your ghost box in the river. Really? Really. There you go. Take take your ghost box box into the Merrimack River and throw it over. 
Okay. That's your opinion. I go along with it. Fine. Splash. Go on. Next subject. I'm not just our opinion, but the opinion of a lot of very well-respected EVP researchers and EVP researchers who are getting quite interesting results as well. I think you'll find that they are all of the same opinion. So, Anne, uh, let's let's just move away from the ghost box and concentrate yeah. on which particular aspects of EVP uh, are you actually focusing on? Can't start conducting in experiments into whether are these dead people or not. One, because it's outside my remit, and two, because there's people been trying to prove that for many years and we still haven't actually got there yet. Uh, so I'm actually going to concentrate on the physical things that I can look at. So I'm actually going to be looking at the actual sound clips themselves, um, seeing what the clips are actually made up of, seeing what qualities are actually in the white noise that might be misperceived as words. If there are any clips that have got words in, seeing what they're made up of how natural sounds can be misperceived as words. I'm going to try and build up quite a lot of evidence on that side of things. Then I'm going to look at what might cause people to actually misperceive things, insert hearing them as words, because there's quite a lot of work to be done on that. There's been quite a lot of work done looking at visual things, but not so much done on audio stuff. Um, and then I'll see if um, actually prompting people into this is EVP, we're in a spooky building, will make them more likely to hear EVPs than if they're just sitting in a lab listening to sound clips. So there's a fair bit of work to do. Is there, is there any validity? I, I've, I know I've had this discussion with you <laughs> off radio and with others within the Society for Psychical Research. Um, you know my perspective is prior to do we do we need to wait uh try and understand what people are hearing because as a one who's interested primarily in physics and and uh wouldn't it be simpler to approach it from a point of view of trying to determine the source of the signal that's breaking through onto the recorder and then because if we can if we can demonstrate that that's coming from a normal cause, for example, a radio station, for example, a floor within the auto gain circuit, um, etc., then we don't need to waste any time, surely, to trying to decipher the radio, uh, the the voices or the sounds. Well, I think we do simply because we have these two separate groups of people. Um, and I am interested in looking at the two separate groups of people. We've got the two phenomenon. We've got the real EVP, which there are experiments going on at the moment where people are trying to do what you've just described. They're carrying out proper shielded experiments to see if they can cut out any extraneous noises coming in, any radio signals to see if they can pinpoint where these sounds are coming from. So that research is going on at the moment. Uh, I currently haven't got that within my remit to carry on, but I know it's something we've been talking about outside of my PhD, but as part of parascience. Hopefully we can carry on with that. But I'm also interested in why people believe in the ghost box side and why they're so willing to believe that what they're hearing is voices of spirits and why they're interpreting it in certain ways because 
it's taken off. Everyone believes it. All the ghost hunters are running around with these boxes and go, yes, I'm hearing the voices of the dead. So I think that needs investigating as well to find out what's going on and why are people doing it. It sounds like EVP has become, these ghost boxes have become the new, the new sort of orb phenomena now that the orb has sort of slunk away into the, the recesses of paranormal research that they needed some sort of fix to latch their beliefs onto. Is that your, your belief? It's sort of like um, being a medium for people who aren't mediums. So for people who can't communicate with the dead... It's their easy way of doing it. They've got a box that will do it for them because people are actually using these ghost boxes to look for missing people, to communicate with the dead on behalf of other people. To They've even been using them in an attempt to help police with murder cases. So they're basically carrying out all the functions that mediums have done in the past, but it's for... <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to be a bit sexist here, but I always say it's the man with his man gadget doing the medium's task. I know that obviously there are male mediums, but there tends to be more men running around with the ghost boxes doing the medium task now because they haven't got the mediumistic ability, but they've got this box that lets them do it and they can hide behind the technology. So I think that's really interesting and something I want to look at. Ron, do you have a ghost box? You know I have all equipment. I didn't actually see a ghost box when I was over there. That's why I was asking. It was a genuine question. Oh, yeah. We, we, we used it on uh, uh, the uh, Paranormal Survivor. And we got good Did results, you? actually. The, yeah, we had the, the person's name come up like five times during the thing. But that was another right. event. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what, what's your take on it, Ron? Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah. Well, what, you, you use this, this device. You know, I presume you yeah, use it on actual it, investigations as well. Yeah, you know the, the thing that, that and, and this goes for all EVP and, and as well as the Ghost Park, as well as the Oblis and any other ITC devices, it, there really isn't enough research done in it. Uh, you know, people hear something or think they hear something, they put it out there, they analyze it, they run it backwards, they flip it upside down, and they make it fit whatever they want it to do. I mean, and really, if you're going to do something uh, on EVP or, or any of the devices, this should be recorded. It should be listened to with a headset, written down, no, no hints of what it is and everything. It's just written down, and that should be done to several people before you want to claim a, a results. Uh, because to me, it's just more of audio make, matrix in, in, in a lot of cases, or what's the, I can never say that, pareidolia. Is that right? Did I say that right, pareidolia? Yeah, you yeah. did. Even? Yes, so did. audio pareidolia. <laughs> so, I mean, to me, that's, that's what I, my take is on it. it. It's interesting. I've certainly had some great results with it, an EVP especially. I mean, I was listening to one today and at a haunted location that I, I took, oh, God, 10 years ago, and I asked, how many spirits are here? And it's clear as a bell, it says seven. And it's no, like, you have to listen to it or everything else. It's it's really a class A. It's really clear. It says seven, and it's a quick response, and that was cool. So, I mean, stuff like that would, is, would, would is you harder have... to explain. 
Well, no. I would you have accepted that? You asked the question: How many spirits are here? You yep. got a response. Yeah. Number seven. If if it had yep. said three hundred and seventy-four, would you have accepted the result just as easily, just as readily? Just as readily. I mean, it's possible. Well, if the number I mean, came up, if the number the came location. up three seven but, four. I mean, you would be less likely to believe it because you would have to believe there were 374 spirits there. But you said earlier that spirits can do anything, so, you know, we're stretching... I agree. You see, I'm just wondering, you see, a single single numeric response, and can Mm -hmm. uh, help me out here, can easily be misinterpreted as, you know, a phoneme can sound like seven... Eleven, heaven. No, you know, I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, it's not. It's it. it they, if I played a few, you would certainly say. Well, I told you now, but if I didn't tell you, you would have come up with it because that's how we we did EVP. Ever ever told people what it said. We we made them write it down and listen to what it was, and and they did it that way. But you know, it's the other thing. Ian says, you know, oh, if it's in a haunted location. Well, no, it doesn't. I mean. I believe spirits everywhere. So if I did an EVP in my bedroom and it came up with something, then I would accept it for what it is. Uh, why does it have to be in a haunted location? I mean, wh- whoever said the spirit would only go in haunted locations? Well, if I'm correct in my assumption, Anne, uh, most uh, current EVP research is still lab-based, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. And most of the people using their ghost box devices in this country are using them on ghost hunts or in spooky cemeteries. Exactly. Right. That's what they're using it for. So accept it for what they're using it for. Well, yeah, well, we've determined that they are using it for an entertainment device or as a substitute for their... Exactly. Thank you, Stephen. Or, or a substitute, or a substitute for their lack of mediumship. I don't think it's a lack of mediumship. I just think it's the warning of more. I mean, I've used it with mediums, and other people have used it with mediums, and even mediums have used it because they're looking for verification. It, I don't think. I mean, that's your opinion, and welcome to it. You know, so uh, there you go. But I, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with Anna. I don't agree with you, and particularly on any of the the things that you're talking about. I think you're just taking a high point of view and and want to just you're not looking what it's actually used for. If you look at what it's actually used for, then it's doing what it's supposed to do. Well, I, I I'm I'm saying quite clearly that it's an entertainment device. But my problem is it's being portrayed as an investigative tool. And this is something uh, I'm not what? taking. I'm not taking a. Contra- I mean, is that a? In Facebook, yeah, because is somebody I, I, writing a PhD that on it. No, I'm not taking a, a high. A, I'm not taking a high a high point of view as a ghost hunter first and foremost as an investigator. I I'm taking a mm-hmm. serious issue with and like the orb before it and like other phenomena too these misleading phenomena that are being portrayed by ostensibly serious researchers as genuine evidence of the paranormal now if it was portrayed as an entertaining app or an entertaining toy that you can take along on a ghost hunt which let's be honest the ouija board is 
or portrayed as a toy, then no issue at all. I've got no issue with anybody taking it along uh, and, you know, for a, for a bit of fun. But then when you try and persuade others that that's genuine paranormal investigation, serious research, then of course I've got an issue with it. You know, you use that thing, serious research. How many serious researchers are seriously out there? There are not that um, many. Most well, of I can serious think, researchers I can think are of three. They're just, they're just debunkers. I'm not a debunker. Nor's Anne, nor's Parasites, yeah. nor's an awful lot of researchers that I know. There are quite a substantial number of serious researchers who are interested in dealing with the questions one at a time. Um, so if, and if that's you are a serious researcher, are we talking about serious EVP researchers or serious researchers in general? So if we're talking about serious EVP researchers, you need to go and read Annabella Cardoso's work and then come back and say there's no serious researchers. Um, no, no, I'm no, reading. No, I have a book we, we in my trying... hand. I have a book yeah. in my hand at the moment by a chap yes, who yeah. uses his ghost box and goes to the police looking at mm-hmm. known deceased missing persons cases and contacts the mm-hmm. FBI with information he gets with his radio. Now that is not entertainment. That's wasting police time. Well, this is for the police to determine and not for you, Ian? Uh, he actually gives the results of what he found. He thinks it's very promising. From what he says, it's a complete and utter waste of time that didn't give any information whatsoever. <laughs> so From his it, police it, cell. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, there is stuff out there which is very interesting and I am quite prepared to believe is quite genuine, but a lot, an awful lot of the stuff I've seen is completely not in any way, shape or form EVP as it has been looked at over the years. And for people to be portraying it as EVP and to say they're communicating with the dead is just not true. And after the break, which is in a few minutes' time, Anne and I will discuss with Ron some of the interesting voice breakthroughs that we've had on our recording equipment whilst right. on so investigation. The, the interesting thing is, Ian, and let me ask you, I know we're coming right to the, the break now, is that shouldn't you be concentrating on what you're really studying, which is EVP, and instead of, you know, even bother, wasting your time on something you don't believe in to start with. I mean, to me, that just seems utter nonsense I'm looking, to waste your time I'm on. I'm looking at the people. I'm a psychologist. I'm looking at the people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm studying okay, you while so, you're talking, Ron. I am a whole book in myself. Trust me on that he one. Is, he is. He is. So anyway, He's a psychologist. <laughs> The psychologist count. Steve's told me all about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, you are coming to uh, break, which is up right now, and you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with the most reverend Steve Parsons of Parascience and the most learned Ann Whistler of Parascience and the humble Van Helsink. We'll be right back after the following messages right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. 
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places and spirits walk among us. The witches of Salem, Massachusetts, honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem witches, Sean Poirier and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests to step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com or call 978-740-9783. Happy Halloween! <laughs> the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future then circles of wisdom is just the place for you circles of wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more located on route 28 in downtown andover massachusetts we carry a large selection of books and music crystals and gemstones jewelry and gifts sage aromatherapy and so much more all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere we offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann and Ron. See you then. Back on Ghost Chronicles International, and assuming my Skype connection is still working tonight, our guest 
on Ghost Chronicles International is Anne Winsper, the only person I know who is doing a PhD research studying Ron Kolek. <laughs> yes, I changed my PhD that's, during that's, the break. <laughs> that's a lifetime job, and I don't think you want to take that on seriously on that one. <laughs> but you're listening to uh, Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax, the Ghost Channel, and beyond. And before the break, we were having a very interesting discussion about the value of EVP research within haunted locations. And I did say that as jo- uh, we would come back and we would mention some of the interesting audio recordings that we have also made during our parascience investigations, including one phenomenal, was it eight-minute-long investi- uh, audio recording picked up by 12 recorders in a former school building where the whole school appeared to come to life on the audio recorders. Uh, you know what, Steve, I'm very proud of you. You said audio recording on that and not EVP because uh, I, I, I thank you very much. I'm, you renew my faith in you. Ah, thanks, Ron. Anyway, no. but as I'm, the only person, as I'm the only person who never heard it at the time, <laughs> Because I was listening to an earlier audio recording uh, and was amongst the first to come uh, rushing into the room to say, did you hear what just took place? So I think Anne well, is better, actually, pos- better place. That's to not quite true because I was actually sitting about six foot away from you, looking over at you in a worried fashion. Then I realised you were completely oblivious listening to, I don't know, Jay-Z or something on your headphones. So I started waving surreptitiously and then waving my arms in a more and more frantic fashion and then eventually after it had all finished you popped your head up like a meerkat and said what (laughs) (laughs) and you'd unfortunately missed eight minutes of absolutely spectacular sound um we were in a building that used to be um a school and was now actually council offices and for all the world it sounded like it had come alive as a school again there was the sound of children running up and down shouting playing singing ringa ringa roses it was just as if we were in the middle of a school full of children and as steve said There was a whole group of us heard it. It was picked up on the sound recorders. It was pretty spectacular. Uh, We tried, well, you can go into the details of all the things we tried to do to replicate it. Well, I think it's sufficient to say that for the following two weeks, uh, we visited on an almost nightly basis trying out different, uh, was it coming from inside the building? Was it uh, coming from outside the building? Was it a radio on inside the building, which we checked at the time? Was it somebody with a hidden uh, tape recorder playing us, playing stuff back just to try and trip us up? And uh, at the end of all that, we were still left with no explanation as to why a dozen people, um, there would have been 13 if I wasn't wearing headphones, and why at least a dozen audio recorders and the audio recording on the cameras 
uh, picked up this sound event, which is on the Parascience website. Um, and we've, we've had over the years other similar audio events, some that we've heard in real time as they took place, like at the school, and others... That Can have I ask only a question come... on that, Steve? Yeah? Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, something like, like that where you had such a phenomenal results where you, you captured that, do you think that would more, be more like, you know, a, uh, a, uh, a time slip or an echo in time rather than, uh, you know, really uh, intelligent spirits, if, you know, if you believe in those, though? I mean, I, I, isn't that a, a little hard to, to, to accept? Isn't that like the 376 that I would have gotten on my uh, recorder? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't offer any plausible explanation as to what took place, mm-hmm. but the most, the most likely logical explanation to my, to mm-hmm. my way of thinking is that something played back. Now, the only something that could play back under those circumstances was either an undetected tape recorder that we missed completely, but I don't think we did, or the building itself, mm-hmm. or, or something, you know, uh, related to the building. So that would suggest a recording playback either from the structure, fabric of the building, or so, the location. So, so uh, we're talking about uh, uh, or a Richard, time slip. Richard Felix Stone tape theory? Is that... Well, it's not ri- it's it's not Richard's theory. It goes right the way back to the 19th century. The stone tape theory, uh, and was first put forward by I think William Crookes, and was and was repeated numerous times. Uh, the stone tape theory actually relates to, or the name the stone tape theory relates to a film, a TV production that was was it 1974. Nigel Neely's uh, television production called The Stone Tape. Prior to that, it had numerous names, but never was referred to as The Stone Tape. But I, I can't conceive of any other mechanism that would, that to my knowledge, uh, would, would uh, unless we were dealing with time, time slipping, and I know that Anne and I have explored that possibility at other Merseyside locations. So... I, you know, I can't, I can't offer you an explanation as to why, but it, it, it did take place, and it was never satisfactorily explained. But as I was going on to say, uh, we have also uh, experienced re- uh, playback sounds and voices, uh, or what sound like voices, that we weren't aware of in real time. Okay, we're going to hear some. Uh, if you go to the Parascience website, you can. Okay, there you go. Beyond Bizarre. How bizarre. How bizarre, how bizarre. The mystery of the Karnak stones. Ooh. Everyone knows about Stonehenge, the prehistoric monument of stones located in the English countryside. Lesser known, but just as extraordinary, are the Karnak stones, a collection of more than 3,000 freestanding megaliths that can be found in the area outside the French village of Karnak in Brittany. The stones, which stand in straight columns measuring hundreds of meters long, are the subject of many theories and much speculation. One myth says that there are the remains of a Roman legion that Merlin, the wizard of the Arthurian legend, turned to stone. They are thought to date from between 3300 and 4500 BC. The stones are remarkable for their organization and their incredible size. One stone, known as the giant, is six and a half meters tall. 
a freaky fact from Barla Ventura's Book of the Bazaar. And of course, that was Barla Ventura. Or an EVP, we're not sure quite right yet. So anyway, sorry about that, Steve. Uh, carry on. That's, that's fine. I was just going to say, uh, I was going to just to ask Anne, um, just to clarify something that's, I think, is an important point because you are making a valid point about some EVP research methods in field. But can you just reiterate your point earlier about the validity of EVP research? Which point was that? Uh, the the validity of the lab-based serious EVP research that's being conducted. Because I think people are going to get the impression that that we are sort of have a big downer on EVP research. Oh gosh, no, nothing. <laughs> we are actually we've actually had quite an interest in EVP research for many years. Um, but I strongly, strongly suggest that anyone who is interested in EVP goes and has a look on the internet for um, the ITC research and particularly for the stuff that Annabella Cardoso is doing because she is doing um, proper scientific studies. Uh, She's just published recently in the last year or so a two-year study looking at EVP in the lab trying to isolate the EVP from outside influences um, using sound technicians in laboratories. So it's very worth looking at and reading the papers. And they are still getting results doing these things in the laboratory. So we haven't got a downer on EVP. We just have a downer on people who are pretending to do EVP or misinterpreting things as EVP. I think most of the things that people do in the paranormal are misinterpreted. They're uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally. It, it's you know you don't get the amount of results that's going on out there. Uh, oh, you just it would be put, just it wouldn't, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be paranormal. Well, you've also hit it on the head by saying intentionally or unintentionally which ties in <laughs> with what I said at the beginning with the skeptics just saying it's all a load of rubbish, we'll just ignore it, which you can't say if people are unintentionally doing it and you haven't proved why they're doing it unintentionally. Hence the reason we need the research. So, so Ian, I'm, I'm a little bit confused on, on what your... I know that one. <laughs> uh, on what your thesis is and what, what, are you, what are you really researching? I mean, you keep saying EVPs, but in what aspect? I mean, you... I'm not quite sure what you're you're looking for. Okay, I'm actually looking to start with at the psychological characteristics of the people who actually experience the EVP or say they look at the EVP and see if they're different from general paranormal believers because there could well be individual differences to why these people are actively seeking out and believing that they're communicating with the dead, then I'm actually going to look at the white noise components of EVP and then I'm going to go on and try and replicate a previous study that I've done, which is looking at whether psychological characteristics and paranormal belief and suggestion affect the sensitivity and response bias 
when you're actually playing these EVP clips to people and saying, can you hear anything? So I'm hoping to, from that, just build up a model of why and how people actually believe they're hearing EVP when they might not necessarily be hearing it. So I'm more looking at the ghost box type thing rather than what could possibly be genuine EVP. And do you think oh, the no, believe- do you think the believers tend to hear more EVPs than non-believers? Ah, well, this is quite interesting because um, I know you keep saying I'm the only person you know who's doing a PhD in um, EVP. There's all sorts of people popping out the woodwork doing research in EVP now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know them. No, you don't. <laughs> you only know me. <laughs> but everyone seems to be getting different results. Now, when I did my undergraduate study looking at um, EVP, I actually found I'd assumed that people who believe in the paranormal were more likely to hear voices where there weren't any. And people who were sceptics were less likely to hear voices. But what I actually found was that people who had a moderate level of paranormal belief, so not sceptics and not people who believed anything they were told, but people who had a moderate level of belief, were actually the most accurate at picking out whether clips had voices in or not. So it looked like people with just a bit of belief actually had the best ability for picking out where the truth was in when the, where they were listening to things, which I thought was quite interesting because, of course, the sceptics always say, any paranormal belief, you're bonkers and you make everything up, whereas I didn't find that in my study. So are you saying that moderate belief gives you a more open-minded approach to EVP research? That's what I found in my preliminary study. I found that it it gave you that open-mindedness without being too far open-minded to just believe everything you were told. You were actually prepared to listen and see what was there. As opposed to just saying, ah, it's all rubbish, so I'm just going to block it out no matter whether there is something there or not. You were actually open to just seeing what was there. So I, I, I guess the, it, the, the importance of your study is really not the EVPs at all, but rather what the psychological um, understanding of the people are listening to them. Pretty much. Um, as I said, I. There is no way I'm going to get any funding or get any university to pay for me to look at actual EVPs because it's just way too far out there for any established universities, which is why that's the sort of thing that we have to do as parascience, because we can do that kind of thing as parascience, but I couldn't do it in actually in a university. They just wouldn't take it. I'm, I'm actually having enough trouble getting this through. The ethics committee have fallen over in a faint a couple of times already. <laughs> I, I think it's intriguing. And, and how long will this study be? Um, another five years, yes. I'm a year in. It'll take another five years because I'm only doing wow. it part time. I, I have a day job as well which helps me to pay for doing this. In, in addition to which, of course, the Anne is also involved in Parasciences' own um, EVP studies. 
yeah. uh, which involves both digital and analog techniques and does include the use of in-field ghost boxes from time to time, but also the use of in-lab ghost boxes also, because there is, a, there is a challenge that's been posed by those who use the ghost box, who suggest that it can communicate with the dead. Now, I know that we've ridiculed it, but as, you know, as Anne well knows, um, and I think it is worth making clear, in order for us to reach a position of understanding, then we need to test the damn thing. So we, we've, we've had a range of these ghost boxes on test for quite some time at haunted locations and in the more controlled conditions. Um, and the conclusion is that we're dealing with something that's effectively a toy. Um, and, you know, so, as Anne I said... Mean, uh, uh, that being said, okay, uh, so let's take a look. I mean, let's take a look at probably uh, three different devices. The, the Hack Shack or the Ghost Box, the uh, Oblis, and uh, let's pick another one. Let's go the... the Ghost radar. So we have three different auditory devices that are uh, classified in that EVP range, the ITC thing. It, is one any more scientific than the other? Uh, well, uh, scientific is a processor. Is one more, um, is, what's the word I'm looking for? Steve, help me out here, please. Is one you know more va- yeah, is one more valid as a yep. research tool than another? Uh, well, effectively, yeah, we can eliminate very much. Two of them are actually the same thing, effectively, because the Ovilus, Iovilus, and the Ghost Radar are essentially uh, a generator of word, generator. word generators. And the rest of the flim-flam that they're wrapped up in, be it a rotating flashy light or, you know, however else the Ovilus, Iovilus does it with these pseudo-detectors, it's not... Uh, it's just randomly selecting, or it's not even randomly selecting... Uh, words and phrases from a fixed vocabulary, as is the ghost radar. Uh, now, as for the radio idea, it, there is there is a suggestion that some radio-based EVP research, particularly that done uh, over here in the in the sixties and seventies by a researcher called Raymond Cass, was proving valid. Uh, but the uh, the idea of a ghost box, the Shack Hack in particular, is a five a five dollar radio uh, that's been turned into an eighty dollar radio by cutting a wire or, or adjusting the circuit board by physically uh, preventing the the scan lock tuner from operating effectively. So it will just never stop tuning. And for that, you're paying an additional $75. So you, you have to question whether that's... Are we dealing with a genuine research tool or are we dealing with a money-making device? Um, and by, you, know, you, you can take a $5 radio, put a sticky label on it that says Ghost Box, and, you know, it's not a serious right. I mean, research it's like the, tool. The, we talked about this. I mean, it's like the EMF meters. Yeah. Where you I mean, put, right you know, next to me. You put a label of ghost meter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right right next to me is a radio. It's it's a 1960s valve radio built by Edison. It weighs about 30, 40 pounds. It was actually used in EVP research, this very radio. Um, oh, wow. Cool. Back in the 60s and 70s, this radio was used to make 
radio-based EVP recordings um, across the across the uh, VHF and HF bands. Uh, it still works to this day, and it's being used in some recording experiments. So there is there is some indication that radio-based uh, EVP research is valid research. What Anne's doing is is different. Anne's approaching it from from the the point of a, as a, of a psychologist, as she said. Yeah, we already um, we already established that, so that's yeah. cool. My we my perspective that. is different because I want to understand where where the sounds are getting in. How are they getting into exactly. the recording? Uh, so my approach is slightly different. And and, and isn't don't you have to look at it mathematically as well in saying that. Uh, for this particular word to come up, what is the mathematical probability to uh, get an answer, for instance, for, for a direct question? What is the mathematical probability to have a word that answers that question? I mean, you you can look at it that way as well. Well, uh, you immediately started to introduce statistics there, which put me half to sleep. But what I'm trying to do, if you can hear in the background, <laughs> maybe Anne can... Anne can, can, can take up your, your question there because it is a, a psychological psychology question. Well, I try and get some EVP voices on this 1960s radio <laughs> in real time. The problem with saying something like that is that the sheer number of responses that you could fit to your question would make the mathematical question invalid because if you ask who's there think how many responses you could get to me mum joan you know think how many just different ways it could be the same person so you know you couldn't say it is a million to one against that answer because there'd be so many different variations of an answer that you would accept as the correct answer so you can't effectively put a mathematical probability on getting a right answer I actually, I actually would differ with you on that because if maybe on maybe on the hat shack or, or the thing, but on on both the obelisk and, and the other one, you have a limited number of words, so therefore you can actually ma- mathematically figure out what a response would to uh, fit it because only X number of those words is going to fit that response. So mathematically, it could be you could create a model. Well, and just do you just know what? I think I would like to do it just for fun because people really, really don't understand the mathematics of probability, and Indeed. I think people would go, "Oh, that's really fantastic!" And then you could show them some of the. It's something you do in um, if you do any sort of probability in psychology and um, statistics. People are always really astounded by figures until you actually show them how it all works, and then it's not quite that spectacular at all. So I really? think you will be quite disappointed by some um, of the figures if you actually did the work. Yep. For your, for your information, the standard ovulus, I don't know whether the ovulus X has got a greater vocabulary, but the standard ovulus is 1,024 words in its vocabulary. Yeah. There you go. Pizza oh, bell. Hey, yeah, that's the doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here, and, and so is the end of our show. That's a shame, because this is really getting interesting. I I would love to look into this a little bit more. And, and thanks for that information on the uh, Ovilus, uh Mr. Parsons. I appreciate that. And maybe that's something I'll that's play with. That come from me. That came, that came from uh, the spirit voices you can hear in the background on this radio. 
Excellent. Thank by you. the way, I noticed that someone in the, in the chat room said, by the way, only Edison's radio is a valid radio because it costs more and belonged to Edison. Uh, there's no there's no proof that Edison was involved in EVP research. That's a myth too. He well, simply I'm said. That, about the radio. You... And the thing that he said. Oh no, in it's scientific... not an Edison. It's Eddie Stone. It's a British-made radio. Huh? Oh, there you go. Anyway, Ian, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, and of course, Steve, okay. it's it's always been a pleasure. And uh, I wish you the best of luck in your research. And God, another five years, you'll have to come back and tell us how it all came out. If we're if still I alive. If I survive that long. <laughs> thank there you. There you go. Much. Anyways. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just curious whether I'm still a member of Parascience or has my ass been kicked yes. out in the street again? Yes. <laughs> we couldn't kick Ron. We wouldn't kick Ron. It's too, it's far too lovely. So, anything you, you, you would like to mention before we leave, Ian or Steve? Any events well, coming up? Any? Not events, but if people want to go to our website, and follow some of the links. You will hear some of the sound clips um, that we've talked about tonight and some others uh, that we've encountered over the years, just to prove that we're not anti-audio recording. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. That was my bad. <laughs> Picking on you like that. <laughs> Anyways, Dan, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, good luck if you ever try to research me, dear. <laughs> That's a challenge. I'll take you up on that. <laughs> oh, it's your biggest nightmare. <laughs> so it's time to wrap it up, I guess, and uh, it's the end of another show. I have a ton of stuff coming up, and I do want to mention quickly, uh, uh, Spectral Evidence is part of the Festival of Dead on Saturday, Monday, Dining with the Dead. Wednesday, I'll be in Middlesex College giving my lecture and then a live broadcast on Halloween and then Alta Lennox on the first and Old Nance on the second and I'm going to be out of my mind. So anyways, good night and God bless everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Good night, God bless. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.